What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Today we have a Q&A podcast that we're going to hop into. It's been a while since we've done one of those, and I have a few questions that are starting to pile up, so we're going to hop into that. But before we do so, I have just a couple things that I want to run by you guys. First and foremost, if you have not given the podcast a review yet at this point and you are a avid listener who listens every single week, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you could take just a moment, go down below and leave the podcast a review as well as a written review if it is possible. I know that takes a little bit of your time, but that is the one thing that I ask for as it does help the podcast be able to grow in the ranks inside of Apple Podcasts and it's the only way to be able to actually grow inside of the ranks of Apple Podcasts is to get more reviews. So I'm not telling you that you have to go leave it a five-star review or anything like that. Leave it an honest review, what you think of the show, what I could improve, and what you enjoy. That would greatly, greatly help me just to be able to continue producing more and more episodes over the long haul. So if you found any value here, I'd be super appreciative of that. And if you want to take it even one step further, you can always share this podcast on your Instagram story. If you'll tag me in it, I'll repost it showing others that you're getting value from this podcast too, and it will just help be able to grow the listener base that way as well. So let's just hop into the Q&A. Question number one is, can you explain how to incorporate refeed days? And before I explain how to incorporate those, let's talk about what a refeed day is first. So a refeed is basically when you take some time when you're in a calorie deficit and you take a 24-hour break, 48-hour, even up to a 72-hour break to where you bring calories back up to your maintenance level to just give your body a little bit of a break, your mental side of things a little bit of a break to where you can eat more food and just sit at maintenance to regenerate your motivation, regenerate your energy to put you in a good spot to go back into your training and continue in the deficit to stay more consistent over the long haul. So a refeed is almost like a cheat day. But with a cheat day, it's just a full-blown day to where you eat whatever and however much that you want, which can push your progress back quite a bit simply because you go so far over calories that you have to take the next week just working on getting back into a deficit to remake up any of the progress that you had made beforehand that you lost during that cheat day. So a refeed is simply just bringing calories back up to around your maintenance or even just above your maintenance for a given amount of time, again, to give yourself a little bit of that cheat or a little bit of that break, however you want to phrase it. Now, when it comes to refeeds, there's been a lot of talk about this helps speed up your metabolism. Um, it's going to help you be able to lose more weight for a longer period of time and all of these different things. Because we do know as we stay in a calorie deficit for a longer period of time that the metabolism does start to adapt and it does start to slow down over time. It's just a part of our genetic makeup as humans and how the metabolism works is it's adapting to the environment that it's given um, to help you be able to survive for the long haul. So with that, though, the more and more studies that have come out over time are starting to show that adding in these refeeds don't necessarily keep your metabolism going at a faster pace, but what they do 
is one, they're going to help you be able to be more adherent over the long haul just because it's nice to have some breaks in there to where you're not always in a calorie deficit. Number two is it gives you a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a little bit more motivating to stick to your diet, stick to your calorie deficit day in and day out if you know that you're going to have that break coming up in the short term that where you're going to be able to eat a little bit more and get a little bit more flexible. Again, that's coming back to almost point number one, they're very similar to where it's just going to help you be able to be more adherent. Number three is it's going to help fill up your glycogen stores, which is going to help give you a little bit more energy for your training sessions in the next week. So as you stay in a diet for a longer period of time, what ends up happening is glycogen stores get depleted more. You're starting to feel flat a lot more often in your training sessions. Um, your energy is getting lower, and it just gets harder to sustain just because simply you're eating less food. You're going to get weaker. You're not going to feel as good. So taking these refeed breaks can bring you back into the gym. It's going to help you be able to potentially have a little bit better workouts. Your glycogen is going to be fuller. You're going to be able to get a little bit better of a pump, which again is going to come back to helping you be more adherent over the long haul so you're going to feel better. So there's a few different ways to go about adding in refeeds. And when it comes to a refeed, typically if you're in a deficit, you're losing around 0.5 to 1% of total body weight per week. Typically a refeed is going to be anywhere from adding 400 to around 600 calories per day. Now you can do these in a lot of different ways with a lot of the clients that I've worked with, we do refeeds intuitively. So like we don't set up an exact amount of days where we're in a deficit and then an exact amount of days each week that we are in a a refeed. And you can do that. You can periodize it in that manner. But what I've found is best is to do these a little bit more intuitively when I'm working with clients to where we're looking at taking a refeed every two to three weeks, just depending on their lifestyle schedule, what's happening with their schedule, with their family, their kids, their vacations, that type of stuff. And we'll take those refeeds when it makes sense for the weekends where they're going to be out of town or they're going out to eat for date nights, different things like that. So we'll do them in a little bit more of an intuitive manner, just based around their life lifestyle and tailoring the refeeds to when it's going to work best for them and when their body actually needs it. But what you can do as well is you can go into your deficit and schedule out the refeeds from the get. So you could run like a six, one split to where you run six days in a deficit. And then one day is a refeed. You could run a 12, two split to where you'll run 12 days in a deficit consistently. And then you'll run a two day refeed. So it's basically biweekly refeeds. You could even run it as you could go 21 days in a deficit with a four to five day refeed. You could go 30 days in a deficit with a seven day refeed and just rinse and repeat it that way. I have done that with people in the past, but I really like to be a little bit more flexible with refeeds and just put them in place when it makes the most sense. What I found is if you're trying to do like a five day calorie deficit with just a two day refeed every single week, your body doesn't get to stay in a deficit for quite a long enough amount of time for you to actually start seeing the results from that deficit. Because what you'll find is the more consistent you can stay in a deficit for a longer period of time, the more consistent your results are going to be over time. That doesn't mean that refeeds are bad. It just means we need to understand how to use them and you need to find out what's going to work best with your body and what's going to work best for you to be able to stay adherent over the long call. So what I would like, what I like to see is I like the 12, two split to where you run 12 days in a deficit, two days at refeed. So basically every other weekend you have a two day refeed. And then I also like around the 21 day refeed 
or the excuse me, the 21 day deficit with around a four to five day refeed on the back of that. To where you take four to five days every after your 21 day deficit to run a 400 to 600 calories up above that deficit for those amount of days. But again, when I'm working with people, I like to do this on a little bit more of an intuitive and a little bit more of a tailored approach and put the refeeds in when it works best inside of somebody's lifestyle. So if you're going on vacations, if you're going out on dates, if you have events coming up, I like to schedule those refeeds around those particular events just to make it more realistic for you. And then that's what's going to help you keep a, a longer lifestyle with this whole thing too, right? This is what I do. Whenever I'm dieting, I work my refeeds around the times where I know it's going to be hard to stick to my diet and I just focus more on maintenance during those times. So don't think that refeeds are the end all be all or else they're going to speed up your metabolism really, really fast and make progress so much better. That's not necessarily the case. The refeeds are there to help you be more adherent over the long call, give you a little bit of flexibility with your lifestyle to still enjoy and just keep you sane throughout because staying in a calorie deficit day in and day out forever gets extremely tough. It puts a lot of restriction on your life. It gets hard to eat the same things over and over. As you start to get hungrier and hungrier, you can get to a point to where you just say, screw this whole thing and say whatever. But if you're being realistic and giving yourself those specific times to where you know you're going to have refeeds to where you bring calories up by 400 to 600 to sit yourself around maintenance for a few days at a time, you're going to be in a much better position. Question number two, should we weigh in first thing in the morning or at night after finishing all of our food for the day? If you've listened to my past episodes, you're going to know the answer to this question already. When weighing yourself, I would always suggest weighing yourself first thing in the morning before you've eaten or drinking anything and after you've used the restroom. If you can do that consistently, you're going to get the most consistent weigh-in day in and day out. If you're weighing yourself at nighttime, Well, chances are during the day, you don't know where your digestion is at for the day. So if you've used the restroom or not yet, how much food you've taken into your body for the entire day, which is going to mess with your weight at nighttime, how much liquid you've put into your body through the day, that's going to mess with your weigh-ins by the end of the night. And then again, like I said, your digestion. Have you flushed all that food out of your system yet? Is it still sitting in your system? There's just going to be a whole lot more variability if you're weighing yourself at nighttime. So I would try to keep that as consistent as possible, weighing yourself first thing in the morning after you've used the restroom and before you've eaten or drinking everything and stay in that routine each and every day. And again, even doing that, you're going to see that your weight fluctuates a lot because again, your digestion isn't going to be so regular that it's right on track to where you're always going to be dropping. Sometimes you're going to have a little bit more food in your system, which is still going to cause you to weigh a little bit more on particular mornings and as well your water retention, how much sodium you've had in your system from the day before, where your stress levels are at with your cortisol, how much sleep you got the night before. All these different things are going to play a huge factor into your daily weigh-ins and how much you're weighing. So it's super important to make sure that you are weighing yourself first thing in the morning before you've eaten or drinking anything, after you've used the restroom. But again, looking at that weigh-in as simply just a data point. It's super important to understand this. And I work with people that struggle with this a lot up front until they've done it for a long enough time to start to learn the trends of their particular bodies on the scale. But you're not going to see new low weigh-ins every single every single day. 
the scale will not be linear. You're going to have low days. You're going to have some high days. And it's all going to be from the fluctuations with your water weight, with your digestion. But as long as you're staying consistent as possible with when you're weighing yourself and you extract those daily weigh-ins as data points to look at week-long averages to then get month-long trends, you're going to be in a much better position to use the scale to your advantage. If you go into it hoping to see new low weigh-ins on the scale all the time, and you end up seeing a low day, but then you see a high day and it frustrates you and you end up quitting, you're not giving the scale enough time to follow your actions. What I always like to say is if you'll force the scale to follow your actions instead of letting the scale dictate your emotions, you're going to be in a much better position to see long-term progress and see the scale for what it is. If you put in the work every single day, If you stay consistent with your nutrition, you stay consistent with your training, the scale is still going to fluctuate daily. But what you'll see as you start to extract those daily numbers and turn them into week-long averages and then look at it over monthly trends, I promise you, you'll start to see that number going down if you really are in a deficit and if you really are taking your training seriously. So that's what I would recommend. Look at the scale as a long-term tool. Don't let your daily emotions get tied up in what you weigh in that day. Question number three, can you explain what would happen if you ate in a calorie deficit for half the week and at maintenance the other half? This is pretty similar to talking about refeeds. So simply you would just be eating in a calorie deficit for half the week and then refeeding for half the week. All that's going to happen here is it's going to take you twice as long to get to your goal. Now, if that helps you be able to be more adherent over the long haul, then I guess it works. But instead of looking at doing refeeds periodically, maybe every couple weeks for a few days or something like that, you're literally taking half the time at in a deficit, half the time at maintenance, which just simply means it's going to take you twice as long to lose as much fat. I wouldn't say that that's a bad thing. I would say that it could probably work for some people if you are willing to be patient. There's been studies done that show people who have gone through a diet phase and just stayed in a calorie deficit throughout the entire time. They lost X amount of weight. The same study took people and put them into a deficit for two weeks and then two weeks at maintenance, two weeks on the diet, two weeks back at maintenance for the same amount of time so that both um, amounts of people, both subject groups were in a deficit for the same amount of time, but that second group came in and out of the deficit over time. They were actually able to be more adherent and saw better progress over the long haul Simply, most likely, this happened because, again, they were able to be more adherent. They were able to fill glycogen stores. They saw a light at the end of the tunnel each week, which, again, kept them a little bit more motivated. Their training sessions went a little bit better. But, again, the cost of that is it took them twice as long to lose the same amount of weight. So there's the yin and the yang there. You could absolutely stay in deficit for half the week, but you've got to make sure that for the other half of the week, you really are just eating out of maintenance and you're not going into a surplus. Because if you went to a surplus and you were eating in a surplus as many calories as you were eating in a deficit, well, that just ends up in a long-term maintenance. But if you really are eating in a deficit for half the week and then you're eating out of maintenance for the other half of the week, the deficit is just going to take twice as long to lose the same amount of weight as you would if you just stayed in the deficit throughout. So can it work? Absolutely. But it's only going to work for people that can be extremely patient and you're okay with it literally taking you 20, 30 weeks to lose 10 to 15 pounds or whatever it may be, depending on how steep that that deficit is that, that you're in for half the week. So that would be my take on that. Can it work? Absolutely. Is it going to produce as fast of results? Absolutely not. It's going to take 
twice as long to do it. What I would suggest, if you're the type of person that needs refeeds more often, you need more maintenance phases, I would start by looking at a 5-2 split to where you're five days in a deficit throughout the work week and then on the weekends you're at a two-day refeed or a two-day maintenance and then trying that for a while, getting grasps of it, seeing how your progress is going. If you get a little bit more motivated and you can start pushing that to, well, 12 days in the deficit and two days in a refeed, it's just going to speed up that process for you over the time. But again, I, I would start at five, two. I wouldn't necessarily start at half and half to where it's like four and four. I'd rather see a little bit longer time frame in the deficit with a little bit shorter of a time frame at maintenance or refeeding just because it's going to help you speed up that process. You don't want fat loss to take forever. Again, you don't want it to be super fast, but there's a fine line there. It's going to be hard to stay motivated over the long term if it's taking so long that you're moving at a snail's pace that you can't actually really see the progress happening, which will probably put you in a position to where you're just ultimately going to say, screw it. So you don't want it to be super fast, but at the same time, you don't want it to be super slow either. You want to make sure you're losing around that 0.5 to 1% of total body weight per week. And that's going to put you in the best case scenario to be able to stay consistent, see progress each and every week, but again, not be running your metabolism or your hormones into the ground either. So that as you do reach your goal, we can go through a solid reverse phase to get your metabolism firing on all cylinders again where we up calories slowly to get you feeling well to where you can sit at a maintenance level with your new body composition where you're leaner and sustain it for the long haul. And the last question for the day, what are the best rep ranges if I want to tone my body? Now there's a lot of misconceptions around this one. The common thing that's out there is if you want to tone, you need to do high reps for light weights, right? This is what's going to tone us. But really, you have to understand what toned actually means. All that toned is having some muscle mass, some lean muscle, and being at a low enough body fat percentage to show definition in that lean muscle. So first and foremost, you need some muscle on your frame. My biggest suggestion when it comes to rep ranges for this would be to start your workout out with a big compound lift that's somewhere around that five to eight rep range. You'll look to progress that lift over the weeks. And then all of your accessory movements, I'd like to see those probably around the 8 to 12 rep range. This is all of the accessories to that compound. So again, they're still probably double joint movements, but they're single leg type movements. They're rowing type movements. They're dumbbell type movements, not the big compound lift that's usually like the deadlift variation, the squat variation, or, or the pressing variation. This is the accessories after that that would be in around the 8 to 12 rep range. And then for your isolation work, I'd like to see that somewhere probably in the 10 to 20 rep range for most of your stuff. This is going to put you in a good position to where most of your work is still in that around 6 to 15 rep range. That's going to be the most efficient rep range for you to be able to build muscle over the long haul. So like doing really high reps isn't going to help you lose more fat necessarily or help you tone. When you want to tone, you got to make sure that you have the muscle there to be able to show the definition off when you get lean enough. So first you have to build the muscle. Being Having most of your work between 6 reps to 15 reps is going to be the most efficient rep range to build muscle. And then when it comes to actually toning the muscle, that's all going to come down to your nutrition and losing body fat over time to be lean enough to actually show the definition through your skin. So that's a big one that gets, that's a huge misconception. You see women in the gym all the time just using body weight, doing really high reps with like 
glute kickbacks or glute thrusts, different things without any weight, thinking that they're toning their muscles by not using weight, but just doing really high reps. When in reality, they're probably honestly just burning some calories. They're not putting that muscle under a big enough stress to actually develop it so that as they do drop body fat, they end up looking the way that they actually want to with some definition on their frame. So that's a huge misconception. Most of your work should be in the 6 to 15 rep range. A little bit lower than that in the strength rep range is probably a good idea because it's going to help you be able to be stronger in the long haul in that 6 to 15 rep range. And then a little bit of work above that in the endurance range around like that 15 to 20 rep range, that's going to be okay too. It's not going to be as productive and it just gets a lot harder as you start doing more reps to get closer to failure. It just takes more out of you. And then from there, as long as you are making sure that you are at a lean enough level, maybe you'll have to go through a calorie deficit phase to drop body fat. That's what's going to help you create that toned look over the long haul. It's not doing a bunch of body weight exercises, doing really, really high reps. All that's really doing for you is helping you burn calories. It's basically like doing cardio, if anything. So that's a big misconception. Hopefully that helps clear that up just a little bit. So like I mentioned before, if you'll share this episode, if it if you did find some value here by sharing it on your Instagram story, tagging me in it so that I can repost it and tag you in that as well. And I'll send you a message personally thanking you for doing so. I really do appreciate you guys. Hopefully you have an amazing day and I'll talk with you soon.